This message is from Grace Church, located in Frisco, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. A guest speaker is featured on this message. It's fan for a month, and being from Michigan, the way we crushed the Cowboys last week, I just, I, I, that'd be a terrible punishment, but it is an honor to be here and just to see the excitement in the church and the several people I've met have just been a real blessing to me and your teams have represented your church very well down in Haiti and being very excited for for next Sunday. I wish I was here to partake in that. Seventeen years ago, I worked for an organization called Youth for Christ, and they decided they decided that all their staff had to go on a missions trip. So they told me I had to go to Haiti, and I said I don't want to go to stupid Haiti. And they said, Well, if you want a stupid paycheck, you better go to stupid Haiti. And so. I went with that attitude of just getting my week done and I'd never have to go on a missions trip again. And I went, and the first day in, in Haiti, in a village called Titayan, uh, there was just kids everywhere. And that first day there, God, as clearly as you can hear me, God said, Tom, this is where you're going to be the rest of your life. And I followed that call, and I went to Haiti a couple years later, 1998, so I've been there 15 years. And I wanted the first. I went with another mission just to figure out what God wanted me to do in Haiti, and I was serving with this other mission. And what God has called me to do is go out and find people that are hurting. And, and you know, those people generally don't come to your church doors. You got to go find them. And I was in this particular garbage dump where people in Haiti, unfortunately, they actually lived in this garbage dump, and they made their homes with. You know, I wish I'd had a smartphone back then or something to have this pictures of this. But they would build their houses out of garbage and cardboard boxes and rice bags and stuff. And they lived there. And one particular day I was in there and we had taken food and water and, and medicine and milk for the babies. And we were ministering to the people. And I was getting ready to leave that when we were finished. And this little boy named Roosevelt, about 10 years old, he had big club feet. I guess you call it elephantitis or something. But he came dragging those big feet up to me and... And he said something to my translator, and my translator laughed at him, and I said, well, what did he say to you? And he said, the boy wants to know if you're Jesus. I was 40 years old. No one had ever mistaken me for Jesus before. And here was a boy in a garbage dump who had never been to church, didn't know anything about the Bible, never been taught Bible stories, didn't know anything, but he, he knew that Jesus was somebody that told, that helped people and then told him about God. And just maybe this fat old white guy was Jesus. And I had was taken back. I'll never forget that moment. And I explained to Roosevelt that I'm not Jesus, but I represent Jesus in Haiti. And when I started our mission a couple years after that, I never forgot that. And so I named our mission the Jesus in Haiti Ministries. And it's been exciting the last 15 years to see what God has done. It has not been been easy um, Especially for guys not qualified to do anything, I probably have less skills than anybody you know. And except I said yes, and God's used that and done some really big things. Despite um, the earthquake, which took over 200,000 people, um, including um, some parents of kids that I'm raising, I'm going to tell you about that tonight. There's some kind of a meeting tonight. I hope you come to. I'll be able to share a lot more. I won't be forced to be a cowboy fan if I go over. Um, but there's been, there was a cholera outbreak with 8,000 people dying around us and floods and hurricanes and a revolution and the former dictator came back and then the former president came back and there's always something going on for these poor people. So it's been an interesting 15 years, but 
we have a church that we've started, Victory Bible Church, which I guess I don't really know the time there now. I'm kind of mixed up by between I went to California, then here, then a time change. So, but Victory Bible Church met this morning. We have about 500 people that come to our church, and it's exciting to be part of that. And we have a school that started uh, 10 years ago. Uh, with 15 kids. I'm going to share that story with you tonight, how I found these kids in an abandoned building. We started a school with them, and the school has grown to about 280 students today. And we had uh, we have a sponsorship program for them, so they can, they actually, one of the only schools in Haiti, they get a meal, two meals a day, a snack and a meal, a hot meal, and we have a bus that picks them up, and good Christian teachers, and just a good chapel program. And and we're down to six kids left. I came on this trip with 55 kids to be sponsored, hoping to sponsor 10 or so, and we're down to six. First service took six, so if you're as good as them, those six will be gone. If you're better, you'll ask me if we have more. Um, but our school is, is a big part of what we do in our church. And then where I live, we call it the lighthouse. I'm raising 25 children at my home. Ten have already moved on whether it be in college or married, and I have currently 16 teenagers and nine little ones, boys and girls, that I'm raising at my home, and that's exciting to be a part of that. Uh, we also have an outreach program where we go out into different tent cities and shanty towns, and I usually use English as the is the hook. Um, people want to learn English. They know that's a chance for a, a better education, a better future, a job, so everybody wants to learn English, so... I can go into a little place and get 150 uh, teens and young people that want to learn English, and then I had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. So that's been an exciting part of our ministry also. Um, as Pastor Rob said, today is Orphan Sunday, celebrated around the world and in missions and churches. And uh, Their motto is, one day, one voice, one purpose. Uh, that's to do what Isaiah 117 says, to defend the cause of the fatherless. That's a big part of what we do. And I've had the privilege um, of raising 35 kids who didn't have a father and a chance to be that father for them. It's been a real privilege to do that. The first boy I ever took in, I had just been in Haiti about three months. I was in an orphanage. And when I say orphanage, you got to rethink what I'm saying. It's usually just an old building with some wonderful Christian lady who thinks it's her responsibility to help the orphans, so she takes in 40 kids and she has no money, no food, no water. There are these kids set with no clothes, huddled in a building with her in charge, and they have bloated stomachs and worms, and it's just it's a bad situation how it happens. And so I was in this one particular one and was holding this little boy. His name was Sadrach, and Sadrach weighed 23 pounds, three years old. And I was holding him one day, and he was really hot. He felt so hot. And I thought, wow, I've never felt a human being this hot. And so I asked if I could take him home, and she said, yeah, take them all. And, but I took Sadrach home, and another lady that was there, she took his temperature, and it was 107.8. And, of course, without any medical experience, I said, is that bad? And she said he could die tonight. Um, and so I quick rushed him to a shower, and I held him under ice-cold water for about 20 minutes and lowered the temperature down. And for 21 days, he had this terrible fever. Um, it always came every night. And at that point in the late 1990s, we didn't have cell phones or Internet or access to doctors. So it was just us trying to figure out how to break that fever. And after about 21 days, God healed this little boy. I decided to keep him. I, I did sneak an H in his name, so it's Shadrach now. 
and there was some question at the time of if this three-year-old would be would be have any brain damage from that terrible fever, and a lot of people told me he might, but he's now just finishing up his first year at, at Ivy Tech in Fort Wayne, Indiana, with a 4.0 grade average. So I'm proud of him. He's done. Well. Second little boy that I was in the same place, and there was a, believe it or not, a pile of garbage that moved, and I thought it was an animal, and I, and it was a little boy had crawled under there. He was had a terrible fever, was sick. And I took him home and kept him, and there's a pattern developing here. And uh, Woosley is his name. Today he's in college in Iowa, playing football, American football, doing really well. And the third boy I took, um, as I was told about this boy who was had no family, his mother had died, no father, living in a village, about 13 years old, and nobody knew his name, but they knew there was this boy they saw sleeping under trees, so I remember thinking, well, I'm a missionary, I should do something about that, so I went looking for this boy, we didn't find him, that was like in April, we looked several Sundays, I remember going there and looking, we never found him, which is not unusual for someone in that situation to disappear for one reason or another, but a few months later, I was in that village of Minnow Tree, and had two or three hundred kids around me, and we were doing kids' club and telling them stories and singing. And got to the point for the lesson, and I got ready to tell a story of Willie and the watermelon. And I had the kids acting out, and I needed a Willie. And I reached into the crowd, and, and I pulled the boy up, and he was Willie. And I later found out that was a boy I had been looking for for all those weeks. And in God's timing, I just had to pull a kid out, and that was Manel. And several of you who have been to Haiti from this church have met Manel, and. In fact, he drove for you and translated for you. and So those were the first three of about 35 kids that God has has blessed me with. Um, it's never easy living in Haiti. You've probably heard all the stories. Uh, it's either, I don't know if it's as bad as you've heard or it's worse, I don't know. But as a missionary there for me, being by myself and, and having it seem like about nine full-time jobs and it seems like you can never do any of them well because you're trying to do them all and you never have enough help and you never have enough money and it's discouraging and it's hot and you're out of power and it's just there's so many things that can discourage you and and I remember one one night it was a particularly difficult week I just everything that could go wrong has went wrong our generator broke and the truck was broke and had no money and just very discouraged with things that had happened in the ministry um, our definition of an, of an orphan is, is a child who is abandoned, neglected, or abused. And because a lot of kids have parents, but they're still abandoned, neglected, and abused. And, and that one particular night, I, I remember standing out in our yard. All the kids were sleeping, and I felt like an orphan. I felt neglected. I felt abandoned. I felt abused. Everything was going wrong. And, and I was standing out in the corner of our yard, and... Everything was dark and it was hot and I was so discouraged. I, I didn't think I could go on one more day. I just wanted to get on American Airlines and come home where I knew people and people cared about me and and I had power and a car to drive. I wanted to leave. I was so discouraged. And in a moment of weakness, I, I said, God, I said, I, I need to know you're here. I said, I just, just show me you're here. And... I pointed to a light, and we didn't. Our power didn't work, so I knew if I said, "Lord," I said, "Just, just flick that light. I'm going to count to three, and 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 if that light just flickers, I'll know you're with me." And I actually did that. And as I said the number three, the entire sky lit up, lightning. I don't know, but 
that just lit up. It was as bright the entire sky. I'll never forget it. And I thought, wow, God's probably looking down saying, my son, you, you wanted me to turn on a light bulb? Let me turn on the universe. And I'll never forget that moment of feeling loved. I wasn't neglected or abandoned. I had God looking out for me. And, and that's the father I try to be to the kids, of someone that's there for them. Um, and it's, it's been exciting to be a part of that. Um, one of the things that we teach our our church and my staff is, is to be Jesus to people, not just as part of your job, but as part of a lifestyle, whatever you do, to be Jesus to people. And I remember getting on a plane uh, in Haiti, and, and we was, I just got on the plane, we're getting ready to leave, and there's an empty seat and another man sitting next to me. And and I have to admit, as I'm looking at him, it was just after 911, and this was a little scary. I'm thinking... This guy could be a terrorist. I mean, you, you really looked rough, sort of like Pastor Rob, um, <laughs> sitting next to me. And, and so I'm, I'm looking at this guy, and I'm thinking, okay, how do I be Jesus to him? What, what do I do? And so I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I had a sandwich that I had just bought, a turkey sandwich or something, and I offered him the sandwich, and he just blew me off. And I had a bottle of cold water again. Didn't want anything to do with me. I had a USA Today. I'm thinking, okay, he'll want to read the sports page. And I tried to offer him the paper. Again, rejection. And I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, how do I, how do I be Jesus to somebody that doesn't want anything to do with me? So a little while into the flight, uh, he called the flight attendant over and he said, you got any beer? And she went and she came back with a can of beer. And she said, that'll be $5. And he said, I don't have any money. And I just happened to have $5. I pulled it out. I gave it to her. He drank his beer. And then he turned to me. He said, my name is Pedro. What's your name and what do you do? I had two hours to share with Pedro what I do and who I work for. He'd never been to church, raised in Puerto Rico. Didn't know much about anything, about the gospel or anything. But I had a chance to share with him, be his friend. When he got ready to leave, he gave me a big hug and he said, will you be my pastor? And I've had the wonderful opportunity for the last few years. He's, he's one of my friends on Facebook. Have you ever seen Pedro? And he does look like you. That's the man I met in a plane. And so God used me for that. But what that taught me, a valuable lesson, because you know sometimes we think we know what people's needs are. And I thought I knew. Oh, he's got to be hungry, thirsty, and something. I tried to meet his needs, but he didn't need what I thought. He needed a beer. He said he had a headache. A beer took... That was his need. I met that need. It was a stretch for me. My dad was a, a Baptist preacher. If you drink beer, you go straight to hell. So for me, to buy a beer for somebody, but I did it, and I met his need. That's what Jesus did throughout the whole New Testament. He would meet the needs of people. When you meet the needs of people, you earn the right to share about God. That's what Jesus did. And so I earned the right to share with Pedro. And I challenge you to do the same thing. You work and play and live and shop with lots of people that your pastors will never meet. People that are not followers of Christ. People who, if they died today, would go to a Christless eternity. God has placed you for a reason in their life. And has to be Jesus to them. To meet their needs. To earn you the right to share about God. And I wish you would take that seriously. We don't as Christians anymore. We, Instead of being the church, we get so busy playing church 
that we don't really do that. One of the things I tell my uh, my staff and my church is I you know, the most important part of Victory Bible Church in Haiti is not Sunday morning. That's the least important part of our service. What we do the other six days defines who we are as the church. And I challenge you, if you're just coming on Sunday morning and playing church and doing this, that's that's not what it being a church is all about. And what you do tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, that's going to define Grace Church. And I, I hope you think about that and, and be intentional. You know, when you go to buy a house, you don't just, the first house you see, you don't say, okay, I'll take that red one over there, that whatever. You check that house out. You check the foundation, the ceiling, what are the payments, the interest rate. Boy, you have inspections. It's a big deal to buy a house. You know that. It's a big deal to buy a car. You don't just point to one on a lot and say, give me that one. You look at it and you find out everything about it and the gas mileage and is it safe and and can I does it have Bluetooth and all, whatever. You figure all that out. When you go to college, there's a lot of work to get in loans and what's your major. We're so intentional with those kind of things. But with the greatest thing, one of the greatest things Christ told us, preach the gospel, make disciples. We ignore it. Oh, if the Spirit leads, I'll talk to somebody. Meanwhile, we're walking right by people every day that will not be in heaven like we will be someday. We don't care enough. If you're going home today and there's a burning car and you saw people in it, not one of you would walk by. You would break the windows. You would try to get the door open. You'd call for help. You would do whatever it took at personal risk to get those people out of that car. Yet every day of the week, you're walking by people where you live, work, play, and shop that don't know Christ. And you don't do anything about it. You know, if Warren Buffett was here, I wish he was my friend, but he's, I don't know him. But if he was here, um, and if he offered each one of you, just uh, use your imagination. If he said, I'll give you $5,000. For every person you share your faith with before next Sunday. Or I'll give you $5,000 if you just bring somebody to church. I can almost promise you, especially the young people, but all of you, the mind would start clicking. $5,000. Well, Uncle Joe and Kathy, who I work with, and man, even the Walmart greeter, I can talk to him. He talks to anybody. And, and you'd begin to plan. You wouldn't even hear what, what else is going on. You would be thinking... Man, if I could just talk to five people, or I could bring my, my sister's kids. They don't go to church any place. There's four of them. That's $20,000. And you would be making lists and planning. And, and during this week, you'd be sharing your faith with everybody you could. Five grand a person. I can get that boat. I can, I can, boy, I can do a lot of, man, ten people. That's $50,000. And be a lot of plans, a lot of excitement. The buzz would be. Not about trying to catch the latest episode of Scandal or the Cowboys. It would be about, I'm going to get payday next Sunday. And I believe every seat in this church would be filled with people. You'd work hard. Yeah, we do that for money. But the fact that eternal destiny of these people are at stake, we ignore that. That's more important. Ask Michael Jackson, who may not be in heaven Ask him if he would, for $5,000, trade where he's at. Saddam Hussein, whoever else. Eternity is a lot worse than anything if, if they're not in the right place. And so I just get the perspective of we're here to reach people. And if we do it for money, why wouldn't we do it for their eternal destiny? Reach out to those people that are around you. A lady once told me that, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. It's not a gift. It's not a request. God commands us. 
Go preach the gospel, make disciples. Standing up here is not the only way to preach the gospel. Meeting their needs is preaching the gospel. Jesus preached the gospel every place he went and whatever he did. And you're going to hear a phenomenal sermon today about that. But I just challenge you, preach the gospel where you're at, however it is. It's easy for me to meet needs of people in Haiti. It's simply buying them some rice or putting their kid in school or giving them a ride or taking them to the, a doctor. There's, it's a little diff, more difficult for you. It's more of a challenge here, but you still got to do it. You've got to identify, be intentional, identify, make a list of five people that you know that don't know Christ. And pray for those people and say, how can I meet their needs? How can I get them in church? How can I share Christ with them? It'll change this church. It'll change your community. If we took it as serious as we did, everything else that's so important to us, our job, our school, sports, and all that, this is important, reaching these people. I want to tell you about one last orphan before I close. I hope I'm not close to being a Cowboys fan, Rob. I met a young man in the year 2000. He was 15 years old. His mom had died. He was raising two little boys, going to school full time. I don't know how he was feeding these boys. I don't know how he was paying for school, but I had an English class that I had started. And this boy came to English class. He went to high school from 7 to 3, went home, got changed, walked over two miles, came to English class, sat right in the front row with his notebook, didn't know one word of English. And he began to listen and learn and and then we, we, when he knew enough English to ask me, he said, can I come early? And So he began to come an hour early, and, and I taught him English. And I sat there week after week, and he probably came other days too, and began to teach him English. And he became a follower of Christ. He became part of our leadership team, the student leadership. Um, came to our church and even started staying overnight at my house with the boys I had and eating with us. It just became a big part of my life. And... I really grew to love this young man. He finally graduated high school and he came to the States. I went to college and graduated right here in, in Texas, in fact. He graduated from college in Texas and then he ended up moving to a little town called Dallas. He lived in Dallas, uh, became a manager of a, of a Hertz rental place and he got a, a license in real estate and And his goal, as he's learning business and doing business now, his goal is to come back to Haiti and work with Christian businessmen and invest in Haiti. And uh, that young man, his brother lives with me now, Bear Tony. And I'm proud to have Tony here with us today. You're not an orphan anymore. Wow, it is definitely an honor and privilege uh, to be here this morning and to be with Tom Asbeck. Uh, you know, as he was telling the story, and, uh, in my mind, and I could see all those years I spent in Haiti and uh, uh, seeing, because uh, I, you know, seeing all those things that just happened to me like almost 10, 15 years ago. And uh, like, I, like you were saying, I was in school and I always want to learn something new. I always want to see what can I do to better myself and better my, my brothers in my village. And um, I heard about he, he, he was going to teach English. And I would go to school, 
come back from school and go home and change clothes and walk back two miles to go to his class and always be there on time. Because I want to learn. I want to see what they're for me. And as I was going to his class, and uh, um, he forgot to tell you, I had my first hot dog at his house. <laughs> so as I was going to class, and uh, he would have a um, Friday night movie. We were going to watch movie. And I would go home with hope. And I could see the lights. It was far away. But as I was going to class and get to know him, and my hope tried to grow, and I'm seeing the light. And it's been, a, it's been a good time. God really blessed me. And I don't know what I would do without people like Tom come to Haiti and uh, minister and teach and uh, preach the gospel. Because when someone like Tom and you guys go to Haiti, it's really making an impact. It's making, it makes a difference. And I'm so grateful for all this blessing. I'm so grateful for God to choose him and to go, like, to, go to Haiti and to do something like this for me. And to, to so many other young people who have the same dream and hope that need just one person to come and have this dream and hope come to pass. And I'm so grateful for you guys, and God bless you guys, and God bless Tom and his ministry. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit our website or write us at podcast at gracechurchfrisco.org.